Okay, so we again we have optional readings. This is from um, this is for the fifth Sunday of Lent, and this first optional reading is from the second book of Kings, chapter four, verse eighteen, verse twenty-one, thirty-two, thirty-seven. The man of God stretched uh, stretched himself over the boy, and the child's flesh grew warm. Reading from the second book of Kings. The day came when the child of the Shenomite woman was old enough to go out to his father among the reapers. My head, bur uh, my head hurts, he complained to his father. Carry him to his mother, the father said to a servant. The servant picked him up and carried him to his mother. He stayed with her until noon, when he died in her lap. The mother took him upstairs and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Closing the door on him, she went out. When Elijah reached the house, he found the boy lying dead. He went in, closed the door on them both, and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay upon the child on the bed, placing his mouth upon the child's mouth, his eyes upon the eyes uh, on, on the eyes, and his hands upon his upon the hands. As Elijah, Elisha stretched himself over the child, the body became warm. He arose, paced up and down the room, and then once more he lay down upon the boy who now sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elijah summoned Ghazia and said, Call the Shanomite. She came at his call, and Elijah said to her, Take your son. She came and fell at his feet in gratitude. Then she took her son and left the room. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, Psalm 17. This is um, an optional psalm, an op one of the optional readings. Psalm 17. And the response is, Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. Hear, O Lord, a just suit. Attend to my outcry. Hearken to my prayer from lips without deceit. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my word. Show your wondrous mercies, O Savior of those who flee. From their foes to refuge at your right hand. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. And hide me in the shadow of your wings, but I in justice shall behold your, fa your face. On waking, I shall be content in your presence. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be full. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to John, 
to St. John, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 11, verse 1 to, four, to verse 45. Chapter 11, starting from verse 1 to 45. I am the resurrection and the life. There was a man who was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was ill. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for, but it is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he, rem he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. He said this, and then, said, then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death, while they thought that he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died, and I'm glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, that is the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in this tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister, Mary, secretly saying, The teacher is here and is seeking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews, who were with her in the house, comforting her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they believed that they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come with her weeping, he became perturbed, that is, troubled, and, and deeply troubled. Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed, again came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay, lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there'll be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what had, what had been done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, this is the reading now. This is the other optional reading. This is uh, from the fifth week of Lent uh, Sunday reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 16 to 21. See, I am doing something new, and I give my people drink. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, who opens a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, who leads out chariots and horsemen, a powerful army, till they lay prostrate together, never to rise, snuffed out and quenched like a wick. 
Remember not the events of the past, the things of long ago consider not. See, I, I am doing something new. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? In the desert I make a way, in the wasteland rivers. Wild beasts honor, honor me, jackals and ostriches, for I put water in the desert and rivers in the wasteland for my chosen people to drink, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might announce my praise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, Psalm 126. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Psalm 126, verse 1, 2, and 2 to 3, 4 to 5, and 6. When the Lord brought us back, when the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men dreaming. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with rejoicing. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad indeed. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the torrents in the southern desert. Those that sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Although they go forth weeping, carrying the seed to be sown, they shall come back rejoicing, carrying their sheaves. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. And one more time. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion... We were like men dreaming, like our, then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with rejoicing. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad indeed. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the torrents in the southern desert. Those that sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Although they go forth weeping, carrying their seed to be sown, they shall come back rejoicing, carrying their sheaves. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Amen. Okay, so this one here, this is the second reading. Uh, the first optional reading, this one would have fit in with the, um, in the first, uh, like between the Old Testament reading and the Gospel of John, uh, which is the resurrection of Lazarus. So this one would have fit in. So, um, you know, it's kind of weird how they do it. I don't know why they don't choose a, um, a second optional reading, but it doesn't matter. So let's read it. This is from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Because because of Christ, I consider everything as a loss being conformed 
to his death. Uh, this is from Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 to 14. Okay, let's begin. We're reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. I consider everything as a loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For, the, for his sake, I have accepted the loss of all things, and I consider them so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having any righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God depending on faith to know him and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. It is not that I have already taken hold of it or have already attained perfect maturity, but I continue my pursuit in hope that I may possess it, since I have indeed taken possession uh, possession of by Christ Jesus, since I, since I have indeed been taken possession of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I for my part do not consider myself to have taken possession. Just one thing, forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead. I continue my pursuit toward the goal the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Okay, so the gospel reading is very short here. It's uh, again from the gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. And down here it says in red, or the reading given for year A. So we're going to read this first and we'll go to the year A. We're going to have, uh, it's going to be quite a, a little bit of a longer episode this year, but we'll try to cover all the grounds just in case, um, because we're giving a lot of choices here, um, a few, a few choices. So we're going to cover the grounds. Okay. Uh, let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people start, uh, started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in, an, in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such, a, such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him so that they could, uh, they could have some charge bringing against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and, and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone 
with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from go, and from now on do not sin any more. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so let's begin. The first reading, the optional one, if that is chosen in your parish, is uh, from the second book of Kings. Second book of Kings, uh, it starts off like this. I mean, I already read it, but since uh, we're going to do a typological study, let's see. The day came when the child of the Shenomite woman was old enough to go out to his father to his father among the reapers my head my head uh hurts he complained to his father the father said carry him to his mother the father said to the servant to a servant the servant picked him up and carried him to his mother he stayed with his mother until noon when he died in her lap the mother took him upstairs and laid him on the bed of the man of god closing the door on him she went out when elisha reached the house he found the boy lying dead he went in closed the door on them both closed the door on them both and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay upon the child on the bed, placing his mouth upon the child's mouth, his eyes upon the eyes, upon the eyes, and his hand upon the hands. As Elisha stretched himself over the child, the body became warm. He arose, paced up and down the room, and then once more lay down upon the boy, who now sneezed seven times, I always find that funny, and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Razi and said, Call the Shenomite. She came at his call, and Elisha said to her, Take your son. She came in and fell at his feet in gratitude. Then she took her son and left the room. Now, it's interesting. There's several things I I would put in here. I mean, I would compare to. One, it has a little bit of um, our Lord's parable. You know, working in the field uh, during the harvest uh, with the reapers. Um, Of course, um, the part where his head hurts and he complained to his father then they carried him to his mother his, uh, there's that image of the piata of the mother of the sorrowful mother holding uh, the dead body of her son um, then she carried him upstairs to the man of God's room uh, remember the last supper took place in the upper room the Pentecost took place in the upper room. Um, Elijah lying on the boys, uh, something very different, but 
what it is is that I think it the fact that he aligned himself with the boy what what can we get out of it? Well, maybe we have to align ourselves with with God. We have to align ourselves with the word of God. We have to align ourselves with the sacraments because the boy sneezed seven times is kind of funny. In a sense, yes, he did, but it gives you the image of seven days of the week, seven sacraments, right? The seven spirits of God in the book of Revelation. Sneezing part is probably just just the part that he sneezed, but still, you can look at that. Then he called the mother and tell her to take your son. What's interesting in this part is, remember in the Gospel of Luke, when they came to the city, I think it might have been Jericho, and there was a, a funeral procession where the woman lost her only son. Jesus stops the funeral procession and brings the young man back to life and gives him back to his mother. There's that image there that comparison. And that's, you know, you know, she gave, she was, she was in gratitude. She knelt down in gratitude. So we have, you know, we have basically, it's there. Just if the only thing is that people should read their Bible to be more familiar. If this is the reading. If this is the reading for for your even your parish, it may not be because they have several options here. Okay, so well, it says here for the week of Lent, but um, fifth week of Lent. But anyway, it could be something for the for the week of Lent. Your your pastor, your priest might read it. Then um, we also have. Um, the gospel is going to be comparison to this is the, uh, resurrection of Lazarus. Um, you know, basically because Christ is the resurrection and the life he is, he is the Lord of, of life and death. Basically, he's mainly life, not death. He's our savior. Okay, but I'm going to compare this later because I want to read um, here. Let me see something here. Well, uh, first reading. Okay. Let's go to to year C. We have here Isaiah, thus says the Lord who opens the way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who leads out chariots and horsemen, a a powerful army, till they lay prostrate together, never to to rise, snuffed out and quenched, uh, quenched like a wick. Remember not the events of the past, the things of long ago, consider not. See, I am doing something new. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? In the desert I make a way. In the wasteland rivers, wild beasts honor me, jackals and ostriches 
for I put water in the desert and rivers in the wasteland for my chosen people to drink, the people whom I, I formed for myself, that they might announce my praise. So it's called back again to the Exodus, a call back to the events of that formed Israel, that shaped them. Their experiences of God's deliverance shaped them. Whether they had faith or not, it shaped them. Just like many things shape a certain nation, like for us, our revolution, our civil war shaped us. Uh, but for them, this here, it's their faith. It's their experience of God coming down and delivering them from their bondage. And the water is the gospel. The water is the word of God. The water is divine revelation. It's grace. It's grace. Delivering them from bondage, delivering them bondage for us is sin. For us, it's the pains of of being uh, of being prisoner to the devil. The the Pharaoh is the devil. The Pharaoh is the Antichrist. This is all what we have here. This is all what we know because we all all of us are in bondage in some form or another. At some point in our lives, we are in bondage. We are in bondage to sin. All of us are. Okay, and then here, um, okay, we have the psalm. The psalm kind of calls as a call back uh, to, to Psalm 126 as a call back to, uh, to their bondage in Israel. When the Lord brought back the captains of Zion, we were like men dreaming. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with rejoicing that they then they said among the, the nations the lord has done great things for them and he the lord has done great things for us we are glad indeed restore our fortunes o lord like the torrents in the southern desert those that sow in tears shall reap rejoicing Although they go forth weeping, carrying their seed to be sown, they shall come back rejoicing, carrying their sheaves. Then we have here, again, um, uh, a letter from St. Paul to the Philippians. I consider everything as a loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have accepted the loss of all things. And I consider them so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having any righteous, righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God, depending on faith to know him and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain, attain the resurrection from the dead. It is not that I have already taken hold of it or have already attained perfect maturity, but I continue 
my pursuit and hope that I may possess it, since I have indeed been taken possession of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I, for my part, do not consider myself to have taken possession. Just one thing, forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead. I continue my pursuit toward the goal of the prize of God's upward calling to in Christ Jesus. This is very interesting because here, okay, I consider everything as a loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, for his sake, uh, I, uh, for his sake, sorry, I have accept the loss of all things and I consider them so much as rubbish that I may gain Christ Jesus and be found in him, not ha having any righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which comes righteousness uh, that, that which comes, um, which comes the righteousness of, of not, not the righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God, depending on, uh, depending on through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God, depending on the faith of Christ, faith to know him and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings. The part gets, that part catches my attention, the sharing in his sufferings. You have to get to know him through the sharings of his sufferings and uh, conform to his death. Conform to his death, the sharings of his sufferings and conform to his death. And everything else is rubbish. And he keeps talking about striving forward because we have to strive. We have to strive to become our will the will to love him. Will comes from loving. That's one thing I always complain about because we live in such a, a, a touchy-feely time. It's, it's, love is not a, love is not a feeling. Everybody likes to say it's a feeling because they, they need to, um, it's hard for them to say, you come to know somebody. Love is knowing the person and it's also the will. Because some people can say they they feel they love you, but guess what happens when something goes wrong or sickness or whatever, they, they, they abandon you. Because it turns out it was not real love. There was real no there was no substance of knowing the person. Substance of the will. You know, when they used to say words at marriage. For, for richer or for, for poorer, for better or for worse, until death do us part. And they say, do you take this man or this woman? They say, I will. It's your will. Okay. If you notice, the Bible doesn't ever use the term about feelings. Feelings. No, feelings are abstract. Feelings change. Feelings can betray a person. Feelings could be a lie. Feelings have some importance, yes. But it's knowing the person, the will of knowing the person, knowing the person, and the will to decide to stay with that person till the end. The will to want to share your life with that person. It's not about feeling. So... You have to get to know Jesus Christ. Now, this is a short gospel, right?
This is the one here about the woman caught in adultery. Okay, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again at the temple area, and all the people started count, uh, coming and the, uh, to him, and he sat down and taught them. He goes because he, it's getting close to Holy Week. He's he's getting his mind mentally, mentally, and his will ready for for the events that's about to take place. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him so that they could have some charges to bring against him so they can go tell Pilate that this guy, um, this rabbi sent his peoples to death going against your authority. See, they can find charges and find the person guilty. They can bring the charges and present them to Pilate. Pilate examines it. Pilate then says, okay, go ahead. But here... They need to find, they need to know that he's done it. So that's why they brought the woman. Notice they only brought her, but where's her partner? And not only that, you got to bring two witnesses, two or more witnesses that they saw them and they have to be reliable. You got you to make sure that they're reliable. You have to make sure that they, they both agree in, in agreement and you have to examine them apart from the, from each other. That's... What is? And he knew that they were putting him to the test. Jesus then turns, goes down on the ground and starts writing with his finger, with his finger. As God wrote the Ten Commandments with his finger on the stone. Here, he most likely was writing the letters for the initials of each sin that all, all these guys are committing. That's what it is. He straightens up and he says... He who was without sin, let him cast the first stone. And he went back riding on the ground. They all left from the eldest down to the youngest. They just dropped their stones and walked away. Then he straightened up again and he says to the woman, where are they who accuse you? And she said, nowhere, sir. And he said, neither do I accuse you. So sin no more and go home. We don't know what happened. Did she do it again? No, it doesn't say that. But notice how... He was very, in a sense, firm, gentle, but firm, and didn't say anything else to her. The point is, his mercy and his love and the way he defended her was quite sophisticated. He turned it all on them. He made them all see their own guilt, or at least question their own innocence. See, that's... That's the power of Christ. And it's beautiful. It really is. It's really beautiful. And this is why I keep saying, read the Bible. You know, at least get yourself the Magnificent. Get familiar with it. You know, get familiar with your faith. Study your faith and be familiar with it. It's important that you do. And it's important that you, you become familiar with Christ. That Christ is not a stranger to you. The word of God is not a stranger to you. All right, so 
I'm going to end it here. Um, I'll try to come up with more content. I know I haven't been doing much uh, work and everything, and time has been always a problem, but um, we'll continue soon. Let's, uh, let's say the, uh, the creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven, and seated at the right hand of the Father, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who is with the Father and the Son, is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and look forward through the resurrection of the dead and life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us in the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.